This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Of course, you can always text us at 630-630. doesn't have to be sports-related. And Marjorie helping else uh, out uh, with a traffic tip on the text line today. Apparently a truck fire on Highway 16 at Rural Road 22 west of Edmonton causing a bit of uh, traffic back up west of the city. So if you're out in that area, be aware of that. Live at Commonwealth Stadium tonight. Pretty interesting watching this uh, mock game. The Edmonton Eskimos, and uh, one guy who has stood out so far this evening is quarterback Thomas DeMarco, formerly with the Ottawa Red Blacks and the BC Lions. And he's made some pretty good throws. And uh, a few minutes ago, a long 39-yard touchdown pass down the left rail. Bryant Mitchell reeling it in, reaching out one-handed, pulling it in, and taking it to the end zone. Bryant Mitchell on the practice roster. Was it all of last season, Dave, or did he play one game? Uh, I think it was most of last season. Most of last season. Might have got into a game or two, but uh, early in the season. A guy out of Northwestern State in uh, in Louisiana. He's looked pretty good as well, and maybe an indication of how Jason Moss is going to run things in the internal competition that he wants. Mitchell made that catch, and uh, the next time through the reps, he replaced Darrell Walker on the first team. Now, they've since then, they've gone back, but uh, you know clearly you want that internal competition, and if a guy makes a good play, you move him up in the lineup. As Mitchell makes another catch, about a 15-yard out pattern with the throw coming from James Franklin. Can also tell you that uh, R.A. Dickey for the Blue Jays had a no-hitter through five. He has now given up a hit, and the Blue Jays lead Boston 3-1, that one in the seventh inning at uh, Fenway Park. So a lot to talk about tonight, and we're going to bring in Bob Stoffer from Buffalo where he's covering the NHL draft combine. Hey, Bob, thanks for making time for you tonight, man. How you doing? Good, Reed. How you doing? Doing very well, buddy. I'm doing very well. I got a great view of the field here in our uh, broadcast booth at uh, Commonwealth, so fun to take in a little bit of football as we get ready for that season. And uh, hockey-wise, we're getting ready for the draft and for all the off-season moves. And it could be busy from an Edmonton Oilers perspective. For people who missed it earlier, I will uh, read what Pierre Lebrun from ESPN put out there. I believe Milan Lucic would be open and warm to the idea of an offer from his former GM, Peter Shirelli, in Edmonton. I had a little bit of a discussion about that early. Uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting what could happen with the uh, Eskimos' left-wing position, especially if they decide to pursue a guy like uh, Lucic or draft the Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, well, I mean, on the Oilers' uh, left-wing position, there'd be lots of options there. And, um, you know, I, let's start with Lucic. Lucic is represented by Jerry Johansson. Jerry represented Brent Seabrook. Uh, it is my belief that had uh, Seabrook not gotten, as it's turned out, a very 
fair uh, compensatory deal from the Chicago Blackhawks, I believe Jerry would have been calling the Oilers uh, in free agency, and the Oilers would have been looking seriously at Brent Seabrook. Um, the LA Kings have, you know, a $5.8 million player that's got six years left in his deal at Dustin Brown that's basically produced on the level of a $2.5 million player. He's the guy right now in the way of the Kings getting something done on Lucic. Now, they can still get something done on Lucic, but they're really going to have to make some wiggle room happen. Uh, and, and I, you know, I'm not at all surprised. I mean, I think that in the past we've briefly hit on it before. Uh, Milan Lucic sort of is the physical embodiment of what Peter Shirelli stated right from the get-go that needed to happen in Edmonton. You know, you get bigger, more competitive players. Um, it's funny how hockey people see a guy like Lucic versus a guy like Benoit Pouliot, who's been an effective player from an analytics perspective for the Oilers, but hasn't been able to put together two complete years. But he has been relatively productive. So, uh, anyhow, I do think if he goes to free agency, the Oilers are going to have a, a solid opportunity to bring him in, but they're going to have to move somebody out in the process, Reed, because they've got to address that back end as well. Well, you're, you're right. And, I mean, and somebody texted me in the first half hour of the show and said, why are we talking about forwards? We need D. I said I can't argue with about that, Bob, but, but you know, I, I mean, you and I uh, talked about this, and you were with the booth in me before one of the games where I was like, Bob, there's still no third line, man. There's nobody that can go out there and, and affect the game even without scoring and help with territory. Now, Cassian helped. Um, you know, obviously Maroon helped and produced points at, at a level that was pretty incredible when, when he did join the team. So I think there's still a very valid discussion about what happens forward-wise. And, I mean, you're right. If, if they pursue Lucic, if they land Lucic, and I know those are still big gifts at this point, what happens? Do you put Pouliot out there in the trade market? Do you put a Taylor Hall out there in the trade market and try to hit a bigger home run? And then if you do that, then does that mean you have to keep uh, Jordan Eberle because you can't let the right side become a complete, you know, drought when it comes to any sort of potential production? As it stands right now, Reed, the Oilers have three. You know, they've got Taylor Hall. He's one of the, he's a world-class left wing, even though he's not on the, you know, not on the uh, Team Canada World Cup team. Uh, Patrick Maroon was effective in a short spurt, and Pouliot has had stretches as well. You can live with those guys as their second and third line left wings. So if they do engage in Pouliot, something, or do engage in uh, Lucic, if there's a plan there, and that plan may actually be executed for Like, Like, put it this way, Jerry Johansson's going to let Peter Shirelli know, uh, you know, if this is how it works, is the agent the agent's going to say, you know, he, he lets people know as to who might end up being available and who isn't. So uh, do I think Taylor Hall could be traded? I don't want to see Taylor Hall get traded, but he gets you the most. Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets you the second most. Reed, I to me right now, Jordan Everly, the I, I would say it's better than 50% chance one of Hall or Nugent Hopkins goes. I would suggest to you it's less than a 15% chance at this stage that Jordan Everly goes. But the Oilers will use, it's incumbent upon Edmonton to use one of those $6 million guys up front and use that as the asset to acquire the defense. That's how you get the defense. And if it's me, I don't even trade down at this draft. I take to Chuck, and I can tell you right now, being here in Buffalo, it's quite apparent Matthew, Tuch- uh, Matthew Kachuk has closed the gap on Jesse Pogliarvi. Something fierce here over the last few weeks. Well, that's that's really interesting is what if Kachuk isn't there? 
when the Oilers draft the number four, and then maybe that's going to be uh, the storyline three weeks from now when you and I are in Buffalo. I know you're you're there right now, Bob. Um, is, is this the, the trade speculation is 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 really interesting to me, and some of the Nugent Hopkins stuff has been flying around online yesterday. Uh, I, I know reports, so he's the most likely Oiler to get traded. I don't know. I mean, here's here's the thing. Two points on that. First of all, despite having Connor McDavid and and Leon Draisaitl is going to be a full-time NHLer, I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are deep at center. I think they're in a better position at center. I wouldn't call it deep because you have Nugent Hopkins, Draisaitl, McDavid, and and Mark Letestu, and 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 kind of then what? I mean, I mean, you don't have a lot of other guys who can who can fill in for injuries. So I think it's adequate if they're all healthy, but I but I wouldn't yet call it deep, especially if Drysaddle winds up being a right winger. That's another thing to remember there. Um, so I mean, to me, saying that Nugent Hopkins is 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 expendable is is, is getting a little bit ahead of things. I, I know there's some value there, but 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 another thing, Bob, is I think Shirelli isn't looking at individual moves, and as we saw at the draft last year and, and other things that happened in the summer, he looks at moves in combinations, where if you look at one move, you might say, oh, did he win that trade? But then another one, you might say, oh, okay, now I see the, the bigger picture here. And, and, and look, if he moves a Nugent Hopkins, it, it has to, it, there has to be dominoes that he already has in place to fall, so the center position is still stocked. We might see. I mean, uh, it's funny. We're here in Buffalo, and they've soured quite a bit on Zemgis Gergeson. Now, is, is Zemgis Gergeson's in the number eight going to get you to four? I don't think so. Buffalo better come with the two and a three at least, if that's the sort of option that they're looking at. I mean, I think the value in the four and the five when those two slots has gone up considerably over the course of the last three weeks. And I know this. Kachuk's performance at the, at the uh, uh, Memorial Cup and I mean, I interviewed Dubois today, and he's 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 going to be a. I mean, he's a big kid, a big, strong-looking guy that can really skate. There's going to be a lot of interest in those two players. Combination moves. Well, if Edmonton trades down, maybe they get a guy like Gergensen as part of the deal. And if that occurs, I'm just that's a hypothetical. But there's a guy that could slide into your bottom six as a center. Uh, though it should be stated, he didn't have a very good year last year, and apparently, by all reports, had some challenges learning how to play with the structure that Dan Bilesma wanted to play in. Combination moves likely. I mean, I think we're going to see at least three trades. I don't. I don't. You know, Neil Yakupov is asked for a trade. I think he's going to get traded. I think that one of the, the wild. Uh, I will say this, Reed. The one. Put, put yourself in a manager's shoes. Okay. We know there's four or five teams in the year that might, or four or five teams that might have extra defensemen. So I'm calling you up as the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, and I'm saying, I want to trade you a center. Well, you know, you can't get McDavid because he's an absolute not, untouchable. Okay. So, who are you asking for? Are you asking for Nugent Hopkins, or are you trying to go get Drysaddle? Yeah, well, if I, you're if right. I, if, if I get to ask off the top, I ask for Drysaddle. Right, and therein lies the rub. Does Drysaddle at this stage get you more than Nugent Hopkins as well? So, I mean, I'm not sure. what. I think there's so many moving parts. And again, Reed, we've talked in the past, and we've expected all of these moves to occur. And the owners were fairly active last year. They picked up Reinhardt. They picked up Talbot. They picked up Drive at the draft. They made some moves. But the, the bigger moves that will affect what we perceived as once being the core, those moves, you know, we're going to see a couple of those moves get – because there was a time that we saw, you know, if, if I'm saying basically it's a 50% chance that one of Nugent Hawkins or Halls goes, you know, those two guys were in the core. And at one time we saw Yakupov as being part of the core in Edmonton. So we're going to see some movement. 
I will also pass along, Reed. Montreal and the New York Rangers are serious about changing some things around. Okay? So keep, keep an eye. The New York Rangers are a total wild card. They've got three or four guys that are restricted free agents. They've got some money tied up in the back end. They're a team to watch. And I'm not sure what's going on in Montreal. It looks like a bit of a coup d'etat with Kirk Muller being ready as the coach in waiting with Michelle Therrien in case things go sideways at the start of the year. But there's going to be some movement in their roster as well. Yeah, well, and I'm glad you brought up that Mueller move because, I mean, yeah, that's one that just screams like, hey, everybody, here's your next coach. Just just so you know, we already got a plan in place. Not if, when. And, and I mean, you and I, yeah, I, I well, I, I won't speak for you. And, and you know, Bob, if, if there's a, if there's another team that I kind of have a soft spot for, it, it is the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I was a big Patrick Waugh fan as a kid. Always loved Kirk Muller as, as, as a player because I, I thought he was just a great all-around character guy. But, but I mean, this, is, this just screams to me that, uh, all right, fan base, we've identified our fall guy. And I, I've never been a big, I've never been a big Terrian guy. I, I just don't think he shows a level of level-headedness and composure that, that, that's necessary when, when your team gets pushed a little bit. I don't even know how technically superior of a coach he is either, Reed. And just a couple more things. I mean, the fact that we have an expansion draft inevitably coming, that drives further value in that number four overall pick for the Emmett Daughters. And look, I talked to Frank Cerebelli a lot. Uh, from you know, He used to do our show before he went over to TSN. Frank's a good guy. Uh, you know, you look at Nugent Hopkins being ranked number one, and he had Tyson Berry ranked number two as guys to be traded. Some might think that's a trade right there waiting to happen. All right, Bob, just give us, a, before I let you go here, give, give me a little sense of just what it was like at the uh, the Combine today, the the energy and, and the vibe. And I mentioned you talked to Dubois, just any, anybody else you, you talked to or you might uh, grab here for Oilers now on Monday. Well, uh, you know, we're going to be hopefully getting one-on-ones with all of the guys. That, and, I mean, I think we have to be pragmatical. We'll, we'll run the scrums for Matthews. He, he carries himself with composure. Uh, Paul Yerby, uh isn't isn't fluently... Uh, fluent in English. Again, the guy that got all the attention, is, and it's how they did it. They brought out, first of all, they brought out Kachuk along with Dubois and Nylander. Okay? Okay. And then then they brought out Matthews with the two Finns. So, in Kachuk's group, in Kachuk's group he got all the attention. And and then, you know, the general consensus was, you know, the guys that are, the, the beat writers that cover their teams, some of the broadcasters that are here, to cover their teams are basically saying that's the guy everybody's kind of looking at. That's what I mean. He's surging here. And I wonder, I mean, does Columbus, you know, the, the comment was made to me by a senior NHL executive today, and he said, if you take a look at Yarmo Kaikalainen's track record, he hasn't drafted a lot of things. He swam against the stream a bit. Would they draft Matthew Kachuk? Because if that happened, the Oilers would have their slam dunk as Paul Yarby being their pick at number four. So, uh, but it was interesting. Uh, Matthews had virtually 90% of the media attention. Line A had about 7%. Not a lot of guys were around Pulley Arby. Uh, and they did a lot of the Wingate testing today. So that'll change the complexion of what takes place tomorrow. And, and uh, there's, there's a lot of storylines tomorrow to be watching as well. Hey, Bob, because people are, are tweeting me. I don't know if you if you want to go over this again or, 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 or whatever. But what were those percentages you gave 
with Hall, Nugent, Hopkins, and Everly. Did you say over a 50% chance? I, no, I said there. Yeah, it would not. I said it would not surprise me if there's better than a 50% chance that one of Hall or, or Nugent Hopkins goes. And I would have Everly at below 20%. I think I said 15, but uh, I'd say, say below 20. I'd say right now that it's. Now think about it. If it's a 50% chance that Hall or Nugent Hopkins goes. It's only, does that make it only a 25% chance, really, that one of them goes? If I'm saying combined, it's a 50% chance. And I just, I think, put it this way, there's more interest in Hall and Nugent Hopkins than there is in Jordan. And Jordan also found a bit of a niche for himself playing with Connor McDavid. And the orders are light on the right side as well. That's the other thing to factor in, especially if they, you know, honor the request made by Neil Yakupov's agent, Igor Larionov, to move him out of Edmonton. Okay, right on. Hey, Bob, I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Hope everything goes great tomorrow, and I'll talk to you next week, buddy. See you, bud. Bye-bye. That is Bob Stoffer from Oilers now checking in. Okay, so, yeah, to, to clarify, because I see some uh, Twitter activity about that. Uh, better than 50% chance, according to Bob. One of Hall or Nugent Hopkins gets traded, and he, and he goes below 20% that Everly gets traded, which I find interesting. Um but I understand it, given the way the Oilers' depth chart looks. Uh, I mean, look, for me, I've always said I'd look to trade Everly. But, uh, again, maybe that's the indication that he'd, he'd be the, the easiest. Maybe, maybe the fact that he's the easiest to part with makes him the least desirable to other teams. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Stanley Cup final talk coming up, too. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. So they're back out on the field after having a halftime here in the Eskimos mock game at Commonwealth Stadium. Great chat with Bob Stoffer. Great to have him uh, checking in tonight from Buffalo. Later on, we'll have uh, Jack Michaels uh, interviewed Matthew Kachuk from the London Knights, not doing some of the fitness testing stuff because of that sprained ankle he was playing through at the Memorial Cup. Just a quick note for people I know there's a lot of excitement about this Eskimos team as there should be going for another Grey Cup champion at uh, championship at 14 and 4 if you are coming to Fan Day tomorrow it's 1 to 4 at Clark Stadium and I can tell you this because I live in the Macaulay neighborhood really close to Commonwealth Stadium I walked here tonight to do the show there is a festival in Kubota Park tomorrow on uh, 95th Street between 108 Ave and 109 Avenue from 10 to 10. So it's going to be a crowded neighborhood around here tomorrow. So remember that if you're looking for parking or if you're deciding uh, whether or not you want to take transit, transit might be an option to get to Fan Day um, because I know from living in this neighborhood the past couple of years, and it's going to be nice tomorrow. The, the park's going to be pretty full at Kubota, and it's going to be parked up around here. So either just, you know, be patient with finding a parking spot, spot and maybe be willing to walk a little bit or, uh, or hop on the LRT to come to Fan Day from 1 to 4 at Clark. Stanley Cup talk with Sharks play-by-play -play voice Dan Rusinowski coming up. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, Brian Mitchell, man, he is standing out of this mock game. Mike Riley hits him for a 39-yard touchdown. Sorry, was it 39 or 29? 29. Well, I'm just adding random yardage to place. 29 yardage. 29. 20, now I'm making up more words. What did I have earlier? Rumorage. Uh, a, uh, a 
29-yard touchdown. Riley to Bryant Mitchell, who has uh, been semi-promoted from second-team offense to first-team as we've moved along today. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Riley, the Rileys looked very good. Bowman's looked uh, quite good as well. Uh, Getzlaff, you know, I hope questions about him at the age of 33, I suppose, but hasn't played much the last couple of years, Dave. Do we have Dan, uh, Dan Rusinowski get, Kellen? Not yet, no. Not quite yet, okay. Well, we got time to bring in uh, Dave Campbell here. We are at the Eskimos mock game. Well, when you talk about Chris Getzlaff, Yes, he hasn't played very much in the last two years. So is he an injury-prone player, or is he a player who has played, you know, does he have more in the tank because he hasn't played a lot of football, right? So we'll find out. It's usually one or the other, right? It's He's fresher. He's 33 years old, which is uh, getting up there in, in football terms. But he hasn't played a lot in the last two years. So does that put more gas in his tank? Right. Or will the injuries hamper him? And so far in camp, I would say, you know, no. Uh, tonight he's looked okay. He, that big uh, play where he dropped the ball over the um, over the middle on the corner was not a was not a good play by him. But uh, yeah, tonight Brian Mitchell. It's hard hard not to uh, notice number 80 out there, who was uh, the last cut in training camp last year. He played in uh, the preseason and uh, was the last cut. And good for him. He earned he earned an invite back. So. Uh, but the games are going to tell the story, you know, and uh, I know I've, I've tweeted out there and I've said on, you know, you've said, I've said it, Thomas DeMarco looks great, but mm -hmm. uh, the games will tell the story, the preseason games. So this is a good barometer, but you need the games. Well, he, here's the thing about Mitchell, Dave, and, and, I, and I know this is, not, this is not even the preseason. It's, it's all we have to talk about right now. <laughs> um, you know, this is the closest thing we have to a local team playing, playing games right now. It's an inter-squad mock game. It, it has had good tempo. Remember last season in Fort McMurray, Darrell Walker didn't have over 100 yards. Yep. But then it was like, oh, no, we still don't know. Put him on the practice roster for six games. He plays 12. He averages almost 100 yards a game. He wins rookie of the year. And maybe he's the MOP if he plays the whole season, quite frankly. That's how far I'm going to go with that. Yep. And in the sport of football, both sides of the border, it's to me it's more common for to be that out-of-nowhere guy. Kurt Warner. Oh, I know there was an injury situation, but you know who was there's always two or three running backs in the NFL every mm -hmm. year that fill in for injury or, or weren't a high draft pick or maybe or, or weren't expected to play quite yet that burst on the scene. So I mean maybe Mitchell's the the, the walker of this year. If the Eskimos are going to repeat, they're going to have to have guys like that step up because everybody wants to beat this team now. Everybody wants yep. to prove that 14 and four in the 10 game winning streak was okay. They did it once. They're not going to do it again. So they're they're. they're so that's why I know it's. I know this is a month from the start of the season. I know this is a mock game, Eskimos against Eskimos. But I'm fine with Mitchell showing this today because it gives me a little bit of hope. All yep. right? Yep, I agree with that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, thanks, Dave. We'll talk more to you uh, in a bit. Blue Jays leading the Red Sox 5-1. Tomorrow on this station, we'll have Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final for the first time ever. The Stanley Cup Final will be played in San Jose. And the play-by-play -play voice of the Sharks is Dan Rusinowski. Dan, you're on Inside Sports with Reed. So you, you probably heard more about the CFL than you have uh, at any other point in the last couple of weeks. Thanks for, thanks for bearing with Dave and me there. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Listen, I, t I talk to Drew Amanda about, uh, about Saskatoon all the time, so trust me, it, I, I hear all this stuff. Were you, uh, how far is Sacramento from you guys again? Sacramento is about a two-hour drive. So, do you remember the gold miners? <laughs> Were you? In? Of course. 
That's great. Absolutely. We used to listen to them actually on our affiliate station in Sacramento, which you can hear in this area, which was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that was uh, a little uh, journey for the Canadian Football League into California. The American expansion, which is remembered, of course, for failing. And I say, you know what? They always talked about doing it. So I'm, I'm glad that they did it, and now we know we probably need to keep all the teams in Canada. I'm fine with that. Uh, Dan, uh, boy, oh, boy, I, I, I can't believe what this Stanley Cup is, uh, final has taught me. Players cheat on face-offs? My goodness, I don't know if I can ever watch the game the same way. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Isn't that the phrase that they've always said when it, when it comes to the game of hockey, especially the Stanley Cup playoffs? I don't think it was a big deal. I think it was they made such a big deal out of it. Uh, I mean, Logan was talking to the media today, and it came up, and he said, geez, I didn't realize it would be this big firestorm. I mean, doesn't everybody do it? I do it. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was pretty funny to watch it all unfold. Well, and, and I mean, look, you, you got to remember, too, that was, I mean, look, I'm not saying that the the sharks are are in, in disarray or they're whining or anything like that, but you, you tend to get frustrated quotes from players after they're down two nothing in the biggest series hey, of their lives. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I, I guess you know they've been waiting all these years just to have an opportunity to get to this far, and you've just stepped off the ice. You know, uh, it's the equivalent of some news reporter walking up to somebody. Uh, you know, walking up to the Ronald Goldman family after the O.J. Simpson verdict and saying, "How do you feel about this?" You know, of course, of course they feel terrible. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe not the ideal comparison, but you know what I'm saying. Dan, I'm, I'm curious, before we get into some of the, the, the hockey stuff, uh, San Jose in the league since 91-92, you've been there since the beginning. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about what a great hockey market that's that, that's been. Maybe to some people's surprise when they, they would have first would have announced 25 years, or they first joined 25 years ago, and uh, some really good teams, especially since the late 90s. Now they're finally in the final. I, I, when we'll talk more about the game's 2 nothing situation as, as we move along. Just give me a sense of the, the vibe with the fan base in the city right now as you get ready to host Game 3 tomorrow. Well, it, it's just amazing, Reid, to, to really, really try to, to gauge how much excitement there is in this city. Uh, this is a bigger event than simply a team playing for a championship. And that's big. The fact that uh, there's this professional team, they're playing for a championship best of seven series, all of that's fantastic. But this is something that the city of San Jose has been waiting for forever. Uh, the idea that they can uh, maybe puff up their chest civically a little bit and feel extra proud about, uh, about themselves and about what life in Silicon Valley is all about uh, because of the achievements of these young men in, in, in hockey skates that are that are careening around the ice at SAP Center. And I, I know that fans in Edmonton can relate to that simply because of what the Oilers mean to them internationally. The fact that everybody knows about the history of the five Stanley Cups and Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier and also uh, the current round with Connor McDavid and, and all the guys that are, that are playing for the team now on their way back. And so um, there's this great civic pride that you feel when the Oilers go out and represent you well. And that's exactly what the Sharks are doing. What's it like? And I, I got to admit, Dan, you educated me. I think it was earlier in the playoffs or late in the regular season. I actually didn't like to feel bad about this. I didn't know San Jose was actually bigger than San Francisco. But it's got to be neat in the whole region with what Golden State did last year and is now you know, maybe going to do again. I mean, they're in the final again. Maybe they're going to win it again this year. Yeah. 
it is really neat. And, of course, the San Francisco Giants have had a great run with a couple of World Series, and the Oakland A's before that had a long run of, of a number of trips deep into the postseason and some World Series championships. And you've got the Raiders and the 49ers with their history. I, I just think that there's been a long history of uh, great achievement by the sports teams in this area. But this is the first one, with the exception of the San Jose Earthquakes of the Major League Soccer, but uh, of the four so-called major sports in, in North America uh, that has the name San Jose attached to it. And, um, you know, we were talking about the idea that San Jose is, is larger than San Francisco. There's a million people here, and San Francisco is under a million people, something like 850,000. So um, it, you don't get the sense of that when you're walking around downtown San Jose because this city was built in the age of the automobile. But uh, this is a big deal. And in, and I'll tell you what, uh, if, you, if you think about it, uh, the people here have been looking for something to hang their hat on for a long time, and Sharks hockey is very much that. Dan Rusinowski joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for the Sharks. It's 7.42. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports, live at Commonwealth Stadium tonight for the uh, Edmonton Eskimos mock game. Don't forget Fan Day tomorrow. Oh, that's why it sounds like it does. Yeah, there's an actual... Like it's an inner squad game, but it's very high tempo and and actual refs on the field and and keeping score, plays being run, all that kind of well, stuff. Well, I'm hearing all this noise in the background. I'm saying, where is Reed tonight? He's not in that studio at uh, at Rexall Place. I can tell you that. No, I'm in our I'm in our broadcast booth. Morley Scott and Dave Campbell are are, are to my left. So yeah, the great Morley Scott, give him my best. Yeah, Dan Rusnowski says hi, Morley. There you go. <laughs> uh, what's going on with Thomas Hurdle? Is he going to be able to go tomorrow? Probably. They got the day off for a little maintenance work. They uh, they didn't say anything, and as I've said, it's a lot easier to get uh, explicit information from the United States Department of the Treasury about uh, exactly how many ounces of gold were audited in Fort Knox this past year than it is to get any information about injuries or any kind of reason why guys aren't practicing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, we might as well, we can ask, but they won't tell us. Okay. Well, I, I hear you there. Um, so, to get to the, the on-ice action, two close games, um, but two games that saw the Sharks be outshot by a combined total of 71-48. Um, you know, a team that's battled through a lot in recent seasons and in this playoff run to get here. What do you sense uh, the attitude with this deficit dealing with this latest form of adversity? Well, it's very interesting because I, I think former editions of this club probably would feel uh, major seeds of doubt being planted into their locker room right now. But this is a different Sharks hockey team. This is a team that, that has been steeled in its resolve all season long uh, to deal with the adversity, to put their arms around it. And I noticed disappointment in the guys' faces after Game 2 uh, when they were down 0-2, but I, I don't sense any loss of confidence. In fact, I, I sense more determination. I sense excitement about tomorrow's game and a kind of a living uh, willingness, that is, to, to live in the moment. And I think really that that's one of the differences of this club. They've got uh, just great goaltending from Martin Jones. They've had much better depth over the course of the year. And, hey, let's face it, they're, they're playing up against an outstanding hockey team who has one of the best hockey players, if not the best hockey player in the world, in Sidney Crosby. He's the guy who won the faceoff and directed the traffic to set up the winning play in game two 
doing overtime. That shouldn't be surprising. So I, I think that this is just a big challenge that they're facing, and they're enjoying themselves. And I just see that uh, very, very different attitude with this team, that there isn't a sense of doubt whatsoever. All right. It's Friday night. I'm outdoors at a football stadium. I better finish off with a fun question. Interception, by the way. Is that John Ojo? John Ojo, really good defensive back for the Eskimos. You're learning all these Eskimos names tonight, Dan. This is going to be fun for Well, you. hey, listen, I used to listen to Halsey's show. So back in the old days, we would hear him talk about the Eskies all day long. You ask him one question, and he just answers it for 25 minutes. Yes, he was good at that. So here, here's my uh, here's my question for to close it off tonight. When you're actually up close interviewing Burns or Thornton, I mean, are the beards sort of hypnotic? Are you looking for where the sound's coming out of or what? I'm looking at a couple of things. I'm looking at the, the different uh, shades of color in Joe's beard, of course, and I'm also staring uh, all right between the beard and at the uh, the gap-toothed smile of Brent Burns, which is absolutely hypnotic, I think, uh, the two of them. So I, I think it's uh, certainly one of the great... Uh, I guess you could say sidebar stories of the playoffs, and people are having fun with it, but uh, it's part of the image of the team, and I can tell you that the, the Pete DeBoer knows he's not coaching the old New Jersey Devils because of those beards. Yeah, uh, great feature at Sports Illustrated on Burns a couple of weeks. So he does, he does he still have, he got rid of the snake collection, right? Well, he, a friend of his is, I think, hanging on to it for him. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I guess that's the story, so he can have visitation rights anytime he likes. But I, I have a feeling that his wife just got a little tired of having all of these critters around the house, and so uh, maybe, who knows, maybe uh, there was something about living in California, but he never actually brought all of them to San Jose when he came here a few years ago. But, okay. uh, but they're still around. They're still much a part of his life. I, I think this guy is one of the great personalities of the game, but I also think that he has had a remarkable season, and I'm, I'm so happy that he was chosen to be one of the finalists for the Norris Trophy. I happen to think he should win it um, because of the improvement that he's had. I think it's probably Drew Doughty's year, as they say, because he had a great season for L.A. too, but uh, the uh, real improvement that he's had in his game, along with the expressions of creativity and personality both on and off the ice, makes him one of the more interesting guys to hang around in the NHL. Yeah, right on. Dan, I don't know if we've ever covered that many topics in one interview. So, <laughs> great stuff, man. Enjoy calling the game tomorrow. Really appreciate your time. I know you've been busy. Time of my life. It's a lot of fun. And, of course, everybody in San Jose is, is, is enjoying this. And I know people in Edmonton know exactly what I'm talking about. So, thanks a lot for having me on, and we'll talk soon. Right on. That is Dan Ruzanowski checking in tonight, your play-by-play -play voice for the San Jose Sharks. And, yes, we will bring you... Game three of the Stanley Cup final tomorrow right here on 6.30, Chad, with coverage starting after the 6 o'clock newscast. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays in action tonight. Where are we at? Bottom of the eighth. The Blue Jays are up 5-1. Really good outing for R.A. Dickey. Only allowed two hits, one run. It was not earned in six and two-thirds. He did walk five, four strikeouts. He threw exactly 100 pitches, so the Blue Jays trying to uh, close that out. Edwin Encarnacion, his 11th homer of the year. Devin Travis. Also homering for the Blue Jays tonight, his first of the season. Inside Sports at 6.30, Chad, live from Commonwealth Stadium. Of course, you can text 6.30, The phone number is 780-496-0063. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30, Chad. All right, so the Edmonton Eskimos are just 
wrapping up their mock game here at Commonwealth Stadium. And uh, keep an eye on Bryant Mitchell at Fan Day tomorrow. And as we move into the preseason, really good showing for the receiver out of Northwestern State in Louisiana tonight. Field goal kickers weren't good. Didn't really make anything from long range. Goes for uh, both Sean White and uh, Grant Shaw tonight. They did not have any defense on the field for the field goal. So they were just kicking with no rush and uh, weren't good from uh, beyond 45 yards. Tonight, Mike Riley, Sharp, uh, Darius Bowman looked pretty good. Uh, John Ojo, who I really like at defensive back, had a great year last year. He had an interception tonight. So anyway, some of your notes here from the Eskimos' mock game, and uh, we'll uh, have some post-mock game reaction coming up. Morley Scott and Dave Campbell just going down to the Eskimos' dressing room right now. I mentioned the Blue Jays' score. They're up 5-1 on the Boston. Well, now 5-2 on the Boston Red Sox. Lake Erie leads the American Hockey League final. 2-0. They beat Hershey 5-3 tonight. That is your Crystal Glass scoreboard. Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, you can call 310 Glass today. Uh, NBA last night, quiet night for uh, the two stars, Thompson and Curry, for the Golden State Warriors. They combined for only 20 points. Didn't didn't matter. The Warriors won anyway. Kellen Kennedy is the, our producer back at the 630 Jet Studio tonight. Kellen, I don't know if you saw any of the stuff from that game. Did you see Steve Kerr, the coach of the Warriors, break that clipboard? Uh, I I did see that in uh, the sports clips today and that stuff. Yeah, that was great. Good just visual, just yeah. smashed today. Yep. Good form. <laughs> a little frustrated there as they were going into a timeout. Yep. And, uh, gave the uh, clipboard a nice whack and I think it cracked into three or four pieces. Uh, that's a little bit uh, better than you know throwing a chair out on the court like Bobby Knight used to do and that stuff. Right? Well, so. used to do. He only did it once. Okay. You know, throw a chair once and you're a chair thrower. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what else? Uh, Della Vadova with mm-hmm. the uh, shot to a uh, sensitive area. Yeah, that was kind of blatant, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I think he kind of it was uh, accidentally on purpose. Yeah. Once he realized, once he realized he missed the ball, he decided to. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unleash his frustrations out in a not so yeah. productive way. Yeah, I mean, he got the ball, but he didn't get the ball, if, yeah. you, know, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah, uh, interesting series. Uh, good ratings for that game one of the final. And I, and I do sense that there's a little more interest in in, in Canada than usual mm-hmm. in the NBA final because of the Golden State storyline, probably because Toronto went deep and Cleveland knocked them off. We were talking yesterday about the Cleveland storyline, how long it's been for them to win a championship, and, and LeBron James being in that series again but it i mean from i mean you look at that yesterday and the golden state depth and because you're not going to hold curry and thompson to 20 points combined probably ever again right so so yeah that does not bode well for cleveland we'll see how that series goes uh, series goes pretty good matchup it's 755 inside sports on 630 chet all right can you hit me with the uh the punjabi we did sherry earlier Let's do. You want to do Benino? Uh, if I can find it here. I think it's oh, yeah, down a little it, further. Yeah, yeah. Let's do. It, let's it. do the Benino one. Here we go. Come in, Tana Samabakia, Kargego, Benino, 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 Neck, Benino. Sama thoda hi rehda, lagya pata bhi padunga hero, Neck Benino. All right. Harner Ryan Singh, the play-by-play voice for Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, uh, will get his story behind that call behind the uh, the, the Beninos. 
and uh, a little bit on his his career and and, uh, and calling the games and what it means uh, to him. Uh, Harner Ryan. Kellen, I don't know if you know this, he's an Alberta boy. Hey! He's an absolute uh, Alberta boy, so he'll give us that uh, story of where he was born and uh, growing up in our fine province and getting into hauling the, calling the hockey games. As I mentioned, we'll have a reaction here from the Edmonton Eskimos after their mock game. You will also hear from Matthew Kachuk from the London Knights. Jack Michaels talked to him at the Combine in Buffalo. Where is he going to be drafted? Four? Or could he, could he go up to three? Could Columbus possibly snap him up? Interesting storylines as we move along. Of course, the NHL draft three weeks from today. We'll have live coverage of round one on Friday the 24th and then rounds two through seven on Saturday the 25th. Live at Commonwealth Stadium, Reed Wilkins with you. Inside Sports on Chat. Back after the news. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.